0: Hey there, mucho gusto, and welcome to another episode of Detective Writer. I'm your host, Allie, aka Detective Writer, and today I wanted to introduce you all to a very special guest today. She is a fellow author, and I'm so excited to introduce all of you to Dr. Nicole Elaine Avery. Thank you so much for being here, Nicole. I'm so honored that you've been a guest today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm just as excited to be on your show.
0: Thank you. I honestly, I feel like when I'm talking to fellow authors, I feel like I just love hearing, like, what was their motivation for writing a book? What was going through their minds as they were writing? Like, what was their determination to get them from start to finish? So I'd definitely love to hear about your writing process. Well,
1: I loved writing. I had a passion for writing since I was a child and I was in and out of foster care um, facilities and homes. So the library was like my safe haven and my safe space. And so if I wasn't drawing on the back of a a blank page from the back of a book, I was writing. I was writing poetry, you know, whatever you think out loud, you would just, you know, kind of write down. And I was an avid reader as a child. So like the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, I just remember uh, getting into my closet. I don't know if you're familiar with that series. Uh, I
0: actually, I only know a little bit, but feel free to spoil. I'm, I will still read it. No worries.
1: Okay, so it's. I'll just tell you the, the part that really um, resonated with me as a child. It's this one part where one of the one of the characters opens up a closet, and then she steps out into this world. Really. This, yeah and so I would always get into my closet knowing that there wasn't another world there but just it's almost like stepping out on faith and just saying well I believe anyway even though I can't see it I can't feel it it's not there and I was very imaginative and I would read the book in the closet and so being an avid reader um, also helped me with writing and I'll tell you as a, a product of foster care I remember being in and out of my mom's home and There were days that she wouldn't take me to school when I was with her. And so I would be locked in the house, literally locked in the house, because during this time frame you had um indoor locks. So you know how you lock your doors from the outside? Yeah. Well this one was like a double lock. You had a key from the inside, which you can't have anymore because um, you know, it's it's dangerous and if there was a fire, God forbid someone would probably pass away. Oh my god. Yeah, I couldn't get out she had the key and she locked herself in the room. It was a whole big thing. But I would, I homeschooled myself. Wow. And so I would watch programs like Vialegre, Romper Room, Sesame Street.
0: I love that
1: room. Yes, come on in Zoom, 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 up. Zoom, all those shows.
0: Elmo's World.
1: Reading <laughs> Rainbow. And I would, I became very visual because of the voiceovers uh, of the stories, there was this one gentleman who would draw, um, you know, as he was, I guess, listening to the voiceover of himself, reading, say, like a page or two of a story. And so he would uh, correlate in his visuals with um, what he was reading. So I was exposed to a lot of words and a lot of visual Visuals. And so I took that and it just made it a part of myself. And so I started teaching. And when I started teaching, I was teaching language because oh. I was an English major. Yeah, I was in uh, for undergrad, I was an English major. And so when I brought I all of that into the classroom. And so I left New York. I had been teaching for about maybe 10 years, eight to 10 years. And I left and I went to California and started teaching art. And then I got hurt there. And I was on workers' compensation. Oh, wow. And I started getting harassed. It was insane. So I said, you know what? I just, I want to write a book.
0: I love that. I thank you so much for sharing your personal story. And if I can say, Nicole, as someone who also comes from the Bronx, I got to say, the Bronx, I think just really just shows just so much creativity especially like in writing i feel like for a lot of us especially me writing helped heal a lot of my trauma and to hear you discuss so openly about how you just knew that you wanted to write a book and after everything you've gone through you have such an amazing work of art that's incredibly admirable just so amazing
1: Thank you. And so having an opportunity to work in the Bronx as an educator, I got to see firsthand all of the creativity because so many of us come from the Caribbean, come from South America, come yeah. from Africa. You know, it, and you know, we say that New York is a melting pot. I don't it's really phrase, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely
0: a, a, a pot of people. I'll just say that. It is. Opinion. It definitely is.
1: Um, a, a mixture of folks. And so, that's where the creativity comes, you know, in the culture of the neighborhoods, the food and the the um the visuals that you see on walls, you know, the murals and just how we dress and the music and the dancing. And so all of that really plays into the individual. And so it's not like you separate yourself when you come to school or when you go to a gathering or whatever. you bring all of that with you. And so even in church, you know, you see all of that. So I think, yeah, it's definitely a place where, I don't, You know, I don't yeah. know that a lot of people know, other than like maybe rap music, how creative the Bronx is, but it yeah. is super creative.
0: It truly is. And I feel like a lot of times, I feel like sometimes the Bronx doesn't necessarily have like the best reputation because I feel like a lot of people... A lot of people who either don't know the bronze or are either not too familiar with the bronze usually will be under the assumption that because it's considered like the, the poorest burrow in New York, that, that everybody is dangerous, that you can't even step foot in there without getting robbed, mugged. But that's so not true. And I feel like there's so much to be said when you're in the Bronx. And I was born in Washington Heights, but being raised by my grandparents, I basically switched back and forth between Washington Heights and the Bronx. And I've got to say, like, there's so much, I can't believe just how much creativity there was brought about. I would literally remember just wanting to stay in the library all the time. And I would see these authors and they would say that they're from the Bronx and there was just so much work that they had done. I thought, I definitely want to be like that. I want to be the inspiration for myself for another little girl who maybe come from the Bronx and never thought that she could aspire to be an author. Because growing up, let me tell you, I love my family, but they always would tell me you should think about something a little bit more realistic because you don't want to be God forbid, you know, like living on ramen and trying trying to make money off of a book that you still haven't made money off of. So I feel like there's so much opportunities that can be had and i feel like in big cities that really does help but i feel like anywhere you go if you have the passion the determination you can achieve anything
1: you have said so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sorry no
1: no no. it's not a bad thing i'm just like oh my god where do i really just come in and and and, um add 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 value to it you've already
0: added uh, value trust me trust me uh, Thank you. I swear I I'm not to, trying to kiss off to you. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart.
1: Aw, thank you so much. But I wanted to say, when we think about our parents and our grandparents, you know, they come from different spaces, many of, many of them. And because of that, they want to ensure, based on societal norms, that we survive. Yeah. So, yeah, the Bronx might be the poorest, excuse me the poorest borough, but I think people are very strategic in how they live. And because we come from these rich cultures where people celebrate regardless to what life has thrown them, this is why we see such intensity in the arts, in the Bronx, you know, and I get the whole having to choose because when I was thinking about what I wanted to take up in college, my foster mother said to me, well, just do Education And I was like, education? Why? Even though I found out that that was my passion at one point. Yeah. You know, but it's like, you choose something that you know you're going to be able to live and live comfortably or at least survive. And while you're doing that, I think that there's that undercurrent of finding your true passion or finding other passions. Because teaching definitely was a passion of mine. But I remember... When I started teaching, I was doing English and it was very stressful because when you're dealing with words and uh, folks that have or they're like second language um, acquisition learners, it's very difficult, you know, sometimes to get the students to open up because they feel like, oh, my God, this is not my first language, you know. And so you're preparing for these tests, the standardized tests and things like that. And so for me, it just became very stressful and it no longer was part of my passion because of that. And it wasn't until I started teaching art in California that I decided like, oh my God, I want to get back to telling stories in this way. I had already amazing. gotten a degree in dance and that was another way of expressing language. But I, it was like cyclical. I came back to my first passion, which was writing. So That's I amazing. think, you know... As artists and as people who are creative, we weave in and out of these creativities through this trajectory of maybe one thing that's holding us together. And for me, teaching and teaching probably was what was holding me together and allowing me to help other artists in, in, in terms of writing to start budding you know and so yeah. I did my part I sold my seeds but it was time to move on and start working on my own personal stories so Definitely. yeah I'm sorry I'm like all over the place no, but you no so many apologize. great things that I wanted to just touch a few
0: no don't apologize I feel like with the passion that you're discussing and with everything that you're emphasizing it's just absolutely incredible don't apologize I honestly just want to make you feel comfortable enough to open up and of course
1: I do, and especially because you're from the Bronx, so you understand firsthand yeah. some of the experiences that I'm expressing. You know, Definitely. and I, I remember you talking about the crime and the aspect of that. Yeah, there's so much I could say in terms of um, society and how that has arrived to the Bronx, but I, I'm not going to spend our time on that. But yeah. I do know, again, we're so resilient as a people. When I say a people, I mean the the Bronx yeah. person. And so, we take some of those
0: negatives, and we always create a positive from it. 100%. You know? 100%. Because yeah. I actually wanted to bring up a point that you emphasized that was really great, because I Spanish is actually my first language, and uh-huh. I don't have much memories of when I first started school, but according to my family, I was placed in special ed classes because... Uh-huh my first language up until like the time that I was born until like I was starting school all I ever knew was Spanish because my grandparents raised me and my parents worked often but they would always speak to me in Spanish and apparently according to them like they would always just say like whenever my teachers or classmates tried to communicate with me I would literally like be asking like Like, what are you saying because I would respond back in Spanish and I have no memory of it and they eventually placed me in special education courses because I had no idea how to communicate in English I didn't even know how to read or even say a word and I think that's actually where I got so much more of my, a passion for writing because when I was trying to learn English I do remember just reading so many books, so many essays so many short stories and I'm like all of this is just from words I have a moving image in my head and it's all from words and just from a book I can't believe that
1: Wow, and see this is what I what I uh, I have issues with the school excuse me school system in general I just feel like we're not proactive in in many cases it's always a reaction to the pandemic it's a reaction to oh it's a a language situation and not a behavior disorder and I don't want to call it a disorder but you know this is how they label people and so you know it's I think education has definitely come a long way and I'm just um, I'm trying not to focus on New York City but just generalizing purposefully because it's not just here it's so many other places but I think that people are realizing and it's people like you and me who have been through the system and we've had these horrible experiences and we're trying to make the change now so I'm, I'm really excited for that and I'm sorry that you endured any of that i remember having oh, thank two, you one i i'll go backwards i was teaching esl in los angeles i wasn't even supposed to be <laughs> teaching wow. i got laid off teaching drawing and i wasn't supposed to be laid off that's a whole other story so i see the superintendent i came to visit from new york to la for uh the graduation and i saw him and i was telling him i don't know how i got laid off so I get back to New York and I get a phone call, and they're telling me, Oh, we have a job for you back at your old school or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my god, it's muy importante. And this is exactly yeah. how I said it because I'm from the Bronx,
0: yes, represent. I love that,
1: exactly. So, this is how I really am. Like, everybody knows, that like, okay, just get <laughs> ready. So, it's just different for me because. I see people differently, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, they forced me to teach ESL, which I thought was hilarious. But I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? Yeah. And so there was this one young lady who came into the classroom. It was a high school class. And I had I had eight different levels of ESL. Wow. Eight different levels. They were trying to stress me out, but they didn't know who they were messing with. <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh.
1: God's kids. So anyway, there was this young lady who came from Mexico and she was so nervous the anxiety was written all over her body oh my gosh. she yeah i felt so horribly for her because i was no someone was introducing her somebody from the office was introducing her to the class whatever and i was like oh that's mistake number one who said she wanted to be on display right and so she's she's biting on her book bag because she's trying to hold on like i've seen this before i understand you know so in situations like that what made you think that it was okay to force her to come into the classroom that way not knowing any of the students not knowing the language nothing she could easily had a panic attack
0: i think that's i feel like i'm basically hearing my own story because when i was four years old i remember having this teacher this pre-k teacher I don't even think that she should have even taught high school, whatever, much less kindergartners. This woman, I remember, but Uh she... All I keep remembering was that because I didn't know... And none of my relatives even liked her. They still hate her to this day. Because what I remember hearing was... Because I didn't know how to speak the language. I didn't know how to communicate in English or even read. She had little to no patience with me. And she immediately signed me off to special ed, which... I can't complain it was okay but all I remember was every single year because she placed me in special ed because I didn't know English every single year I I even still was reading files about me until me and my family just threw them out for someone who just needed to learn a language all you would read was Sally didn't like sharing toys Sally uh, needs to walk around more like basically a behavioral analysis and so many things about me and I'm like. How is this supposed to help me learn English if you're just literally learning about me head to toe? And all I keep hearing is, Sally needs to improve on this. Sally needs to improve this. Or personality could be a little bit more open to learning English. I'm like, what? And I'm looking at this and thinking, so I'm it's basically, so basically a test subject. <laughs> <laughs> so, many,
1: so many kids have been guinea pigs. I, I won't even get into that.
0: And but I can I, just I say that follow- the public school system? stunk but yeah yeah,
1: yeah. It, I, you know what when i taught seventh grade english in the bronx um i remember the principal wanted to meet with me or, or for something whatever yeah. i was off the principal's office whether it was high school or teaching it didn't matter mm-hmm. so i had my students teach themselves and the assistant principal just was like oh my god are they really learning in here? When, Of course, when I left out and even sat with them, one group, which was, you know, they were at a higher level. They all were discussing whatever trade book we were looking at, we were reading at the time. And, um, oh, I can't even remember the name right now. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, I had, I created uh, tapes of the book myself.
0: That's amazing. And I had,
1: I had certain students listening as they read along to assist them with the language. Then I had some of my other students like, you know, kind of partnered up and that sort of thing. And then some of them I had done working with like scrabble boards just because they literally were trying to grasp the language. And I'm just saying, I don't understand how the administration or the school system itself felt like, the book was called Speak by the way, um, I don't understand how the administration
0: would allow
1: students of so many levels, and this is a whole this is in New York City, not even in, in, in L.A. Because they didn't even understand what was coming out of my mouth. Do you get what I'm saying? And thank yeah. God I knew I know a little bit of Spanish so I'm able to at least have some conversations, but that's not enough for students to grow. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, it, in to get to my book, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no worries. worries. But, you know, to get to my book, it's all in there.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: language, speaking, like writing in Spanish and forcing people to be in my world. Because when I go to the bodega, I hear everything and it's okay. I'm dancing, I'm doing whatever, you know, this is the Bronx and this is what it is. And so yeah. when, you, when you look into my book, you, you're you in Nala's world, it's a stadium in the Bronx, so she is dating someone who is from South America, and uh, he lives out here now. And we're we're starting—well, I know I'm starting because I was in L.A. for about 10 years. I'm starting to see those little babies that I taught so many years ago now, you know, taking over the Bronx. It's just—it's amazing to see so many people from South America and from Mexico here in the Bronx because that wasn't—when I was coming up, it was— uh, I, it was Caribbean, yeah. Yeah. Mexican um, in the 80s, and, of course, Puerto, Ric- Puerto Ricanos yeah. were here, and um, some Cuban. So we're starting to see an explosion of more Spanish-speaking individuals, and that's where my book is, you know. I love that. Shared, yeah, this shared world where the way that I grew up, I mean, I'm not an idiot, I know that there were people who um, were African-American or considered African-American who didn't necessarily get along with folks who spoke Spanish and that, vice versa. But for the most part, as kids, even in high school, I went to Manhattan Center for Science and Math. So that used to be the old Benjamin Franklin on 116th Street and Pleasant Avenue. Yeah. And that is um, Spanish Harlem. And I so all that. I know is this, you know? And so... Yeah. That is the world of Nyla. Everybody is just there. Everybody knows who everybody is culturally. It doesn't matter because we're here. And that's what I loved about New York when I was a teenager, when I was in my early 20s, you know, so that's what I dig into and a whole lot of other stuff. But, you know, we're talking cultural, we're talking language. And so I just, you know, I wanted to keep it authentic in the book and I want people to really feel what the Bronx is like. And even at the that. you know, you have the visitors, the people who are the fans and whatnot, but you still have this authentic feel of
0: being in the Bronx. You definitely do. And I think, I love the fact that you pointed out like there's so much more diversity coming about. I'm Ecuadorian, but... what <laughs> <laughs> That's thing, okay? <laughs> no, you know
1: what? As a teacher, you have so many different types of of individuals that come through your door and so when you hear something familiar you just I know I get
0: excited. <laughs> My parents are from Guayaquil, Ecuador but they didn't meet until immigrating to America and they apparently first came to Los Angeles but they said it was too high and they said that it was hard to find jobs so they decided to have a supper in New York where it's cold and I'm like okay uh, and it's the weirdest thing because I will still say my parents my mom was the first person in my family to graduate college and even then she was saying like I became the second in my family because I wanted to follow her example and she went to Lehman College and I also went there and I I literally was born and I I was educated 100% in the Bronx. And I always asked my mom, like, I never got left back. But, like, if I had such a struggle learning English in the first place, how was I able to do it? And she says, you just never... You could never stop reading a book. And I say this, I am the self-proclaimed bookworm. You couldn't get me to leave the library even if you tried. And I was like, I... I can't describe. Just... I like to think that my English is 100% better because I think I'm more Spanglish than Spanish when I speak it. But I like to think, you know, like, there's so much passion and creativity that comes from a book. And it doesn't even have to be just, like, a regular book. It could be an anime book or a picture book. I just feel like with, with the more passion you put into something, it doesn't even have to be a writer. It's, like, you really you really get to see so much and especially where you come from you should always take pride in that and if you come from the Bronx any of you more power to you that's right I've only been oh. to California one day and I still say I like it there too
1: <laughs> well I'll tell you what there were some key folks there that I really really was grateful to me but as a whole and I think because I was harassed while I was out
0: there that plays oh a God. part
1: in it yeah it was terrible but You know, when you start to think about and I can only talk about it from like 2006 until 2016 but when you compare New York to LA it is very different I mean I'm not going to say one is better or worse because if I was born in LA I would understand the cultural norms and the context of of being out there but I was born in New York and it's very different we're loud you know and where we come off as abrasive but it's 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 an opposite so like we may be tough or have a tough exterior but we're very warm inside if we can trust you once we let you in it's a wrap but in la of course everyone is saying hi and they're so nice and whatever but honey don't get on anybody's bad side because it is over for life Really? They will stalk you. No, seriously. I've, I've seen it all. I remember being on campus because I told you I was getting my dance degree. Yeah. And I was, I had shaved my head and I was cutting my own hair because I used to cut hair in yeah. college. Not not the best barber, but you know, you do what you got to do. Yeah, you good. I love body, that. And so this guy had said something to me, off key, and uh, I said something back to him. And he, honey, he was ready to fight me for real.
0: Oh, my God. And I
1: was like, now you know in New York, a female can say whatever she's going to say. Now, not and nothing is absolute, and I know times have changed yes. because it's a different generation. But during my time, you can argue, say whatever. A guy ain't trying to hit you. Yeah, I... Uh, and I'm not saying <laughs> I haven't seen females fight guys out here, but it's just a different culture, culture overall. I can imagine so, that right so people you know they wanted to try to make me be quiet and control me and I just was like oh my god i can't do it it's really i can't and yeah and then like if you are passionate people think that you want to fight them and so that it's it's misconstrued and it's you know and again this is my experience but it's vastly different from new york i don't know about now because of the internet so so many things are intertwined but I don't know that I would ever want to live in L.A. again. I would definitely visit because I have quite a few friends out there that I, you know, would love to see. But, yeah, yeah, it's. I don't think it's for me. Definitely.
0: God bless. Like, wherever you feel like you should always feel safe. Safety is the number one priority. But you should also live in a place where you also feel comfortable. I actually it's really interesting because me and my family i've lived my whole life in new york and i have like i was actually looking into looking moving to la or something like that but i i'm also like this is completely off topic but it's okay. for many and for many people who know this by now i am absolutely terrified to drive and you oh no know good and I'm well you know good and well, in New York City, to get from here to there, you just need to take the train or the bus. You don't need to drive. So my whole life, I always was driven or took the subway or took the bus. So I know that I'm completely screwed if I leave New York. I get it, and
1: you know what? I'm sitting in my car right now as we speak, which is oh my God. We may have to do that, which is insane I because so I get your terrified. Point my thing is the alternate side parking coming back from la i was just like oh my god you know when you have your own uh, parking space or area whatever and then you come here and it's like oh my god if you're not working or if you're working you have to
0: make sure that you're up yes.
1: early enough to move your car or whatever
0: and then finding parking. Ed- my family home. does that still they will get up like at six in the morning to have to go park and i'm like i'm oh, thank god that's not me <laughs> I'm sorry this, for anybody who time does time. go through this. But the fact that you were driven around
1: just tells me like, oh
0: my God. You didn't even try to drive and you were no. driven around. No no no, Miss Nicole, Miss Nicole, I do have okay. a permit. I do have a permit. But <laughs> the, the only thing. thing But look, I took the driving test. I took the driving test. But the only problem is, is I failed. I failed miserably. <laughs> I failed absolutely miserably and because I just like <laughs> mistake
1: what I, did you do incorrectly
0: what did you do parallel parking uh, I. this was actually aside from parallel parking i i went a little bit on the sidewalk <laughs> i and i'm looking and i forgot um where was my um <laughs> signal or something and i'm Yeah, I almost crashed the car making a U-turn once And then um, the last time I drove, my dad was trying to teach me I, I I love my father. I give my father props, but he cannot show me how to drive. I swear to God, the man has no patience. And I remember the last time I drove. It was over 2 something years ago because I'm still I still have, I'm still traumatized to this day because there was a school bus right in front of me. And you know the New York City school buses are huge. And oh then there's a whole God. bunch of cars right behind me, and I I have no idea what to do. So my dad is telling me that he, t- he takes over the wheel and I'm like I'm frozen I don't know what to do so then I try to oh drive for like God. two more minutes and I'm like I'm sorry I have to stop I have to stop I, have, I can't I can't and that was the <laughs> last time I drove
1: wow you know what that was traumatizing
0: I and, oh, and you I know good and well my <laughs> so...
1: only suggestion would be is if you have a friend and they have a car and then maybe late, late, late at night and I know you work, but late one night during the week if you could find like a huge parking lot Yeah Just get comfortable and parallel park in those parking spaces and practice your U-turns when nobody's there, right? Because the more you do it the better you'll become and then the more confident you will be Once you start maybe doing it at 5 a.m., give yourself some grace.
0: I'm going to try to. Yeah, do it at like
1: 5 or 4 a.m. when you know there's not a lot of traffic out. I did that, you know, when I started riding a bike again. It sounds crazy, but I hadn't done it in so long, and I was like, oh, my God, the traffic or whatever. And so I did it when there was barely any traffic out. And I got so comfortable that by the time there was traffic, I was able to understand the cadence and the
0: rhythm of the road. Oh, my gosh. I feel like there's so much we can definitely go on about that. <laughs> I I'd I was, definitely thank you for those because, oh, my God, I'm still petrified well, to this day. <laughs> but
1: I get it. My sister was like that, and she never drove. She, she mm-hmm. could get in the front seat, the back seat, on the roof, and tell you where you need to go from here to London. Oh my she God. was one of those people, but she was so afraid because of her experience on the road. And I get it. (laughs) It it,
0: it,
1: it takes time. It really does. And you have to have someone, first of all, who's going to be patient and comfortable enough to help you. And that's not everybody. I know.
0: One day you can teach me. (laughs)
1: Listen, we may have to seriously do that. I'm not
0: joking. I'm perfectly fine with that because my mom doesn't even drive, so none of the, peop- oh, none of the men in my family can drive. They, they can drive, but they can't show nothing. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what? We're going to do it.
1: We're going to find a night when you have availability. Of course. Find a thought of some sort, and then we'll go from there. No, seriously, you should really be able to get anywhere you want to at this point. And that's how I felt. The reason why I really started driving was... My friends were telling me, like, oh, my God, girl, you should be driving by now. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, you, I'm a New Yorker. Why do I need? Yeah. You know, driving? So then I got comfortable taking cabs, like the guys that I was talking to, you know, yeah. they were getting the cab or whatever. And then I started doing, using cabs on my own or whatever. And I was like, girl, all this money that you're spending in a cab, you could just buy a car.
0: Uber is expensive. So I, I hear that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uber wasn't, wasn't, big time when i was doing this cab thing oh my god so yeah so it got very expensive and i just started saying all this money just start putting it to the side and so i don't know if i mentioned to you i worked at yankee stadium oh wow And i was a, I was a vendor oh my god let me tell you this story real quick so i went to manhattan center for science and math and i was oh, voted most likely to be found in the hallway. Oh, my so, God. yeah, that was one of them and then class clown and uh, most popular. But anyway, I was in the bathroom stall and I heard somebody come in and I was like, well, let me see if it's going to be a teacher or whatever. But then I smelled cigarette smoke because so I was like, oh, it ain't no teacher. Oh, my God. So it was a friend of mine and I said, girl, what you doing? I saw that she had on her jacket and her book uh, bag. Yeah. And so she said, Oh, I'm going down to um, Yankee Stadium to to get a job. And I was like, What? So I said, Girl, I'm going with you. She was like, oh okay. my God, that's funny. So we get down there, and the guy who was in charge, he's watching me fill out all these this paperwork. And he says, Uh, Miss, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get a job. So he said, Do you do you have an appointment? And I said, No, but I'm going to give me a job. So he laughed.
0: Oh my gosh
1: mr howard i think his name was and so i was too young i was 17 i was too young to sell beer so i couldn't work behind the stands and so long story short he told me i could be a vendor i said okay i'll do it whatever so i end up getting hired and my friend doesn't oh my gosh i felt so hardly but that's how i started and then i started selling the first day i started selling soda you know they yeah. had like the uh, the big sold soup. it wasn't even souvenir at the time they didn't even have souvenir
0: this yeah was the time.
1: i hear that and so it was icing it and everything and girl i only it was raining in april and i only sold two no one tray and a half or two trays and a half something like that oh my god I'm, like, I'm done i think i made six dollars it changed $16 or whatever and I was just like oh my god I'm never coming back <laughs> and so I ran into some of the older vendors and they're like just give it a chance it gets better don't worry about it I love that and I'm, and I'm telling you I used to make almost like $400, 500 a
0: night selling beer you learn people if anyone's listening to this I definitely agree you, you persevere and look where you go <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah so you just you have to keep going at it and just be patient or whatever so
0: I love that. Gonna get it. Thank you so much, Michael. Love, love, love for you to come back. I. Oh Oh my my God! I would love love that. that. Well, I Mm want to tell you the title of
1: my book. Yes,
0: please. I I will include the links as well as your social media, if that's okay with you. Beyond the gate,
1: your your why? Oh my God! Why can I not talk? Your ride awaits. Beyond the gate, your ride awaits. And that's Nicole Elaine Avery. You can find me on Amazon.com. My Facebook is Nicole Elaine Avery. My Instagram, which is private, but, you know, if I get members of your your, your folks or whatever, I'll let them in. But it's... Uh, can I follow at, you? Yes, you can follow me. Yes. At, at Avery, A-V-E-R-Y, design spelled D as in David, Z as in zebra, I-G-N-S, and I'm on TikTok as oh Victory Mihayante. Okay. I
0: was gonna say V I C T O R E E Mihangte. I love that. I love that. Please feel free to follow her and Nicole, don't you worry. I really am so so happy I got to meet you and finally got to like Thank have you. you. It's just I
1: am so I psyched, like like it's surreal that I'm even talking to you because I've I've been trying to do um, these podcasts for a little bit, and only like one person had responded. But she said she had gotten so many uh, applications that she was like she wasn't able to accommodate me. You, but we're gonna stay in touch because yes. I mean what I say. We're gonna get you driving.
0: Please Come do, it, Nicole. I am I am I'm, 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 I'm terrified. Please, Nicole. Please, <laughs> because I this one last thing. Anyone who knows me, and I've actually spoken about this on my podcast, I am terrified to drive. You will find me shaking with my hands on the wheel. Oh my god! Yes. Then
1: you know what you need to do. You need to do simulations first. Okay. You yes. gotta calm your nerves. No, seriously. If I'm gonna say this real quick. Yeah. When I was when I was younger, I used to um use the for the video games because I was a video game head. Oh my god. So you just put an old school like wheel. Get one of the old-school games and just practice with that. It sounds crazy, but it's not. Yeah. Because I... that's a simulation. Oh, and I'm then when you're that. ready for the real thing, you'll feel more comfortable when we get out to this parking area.
0: Okay. Oh, I definitely am going to take their advice because I need that. I need that so much. <laughs> oh my god it was a pleasure sally thank you so much thank you i thank you so much nicole for showing i i hope i've made you feel comfortable i i honestly hope that that was my biggest i always want my guests to feel 100% comfortable i was i
1: just was nervous that i I love to
0: talk no don't you worry i I love to talk too okay good night (laughs) no worries no worries thank you so much again for joining nicole i definitely am gonna have you back if that's okay with you absolutely Um, I'm so glad you all got to meet Nicole. She's absolutely an amazing person. As you can tell, she's so funny. And I will keep you all posted in our next episode on how she teaches me how to drive. Because Lord knows yes, I need that. Love that. And I'm going to keep you all posted. <laughs> I hope you all have enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like, share, and subscribe. I hope you have a great day, morning, afternoon, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. Please stay tuned for next week. And until then, keep on sleeping.